Hello, and welcome to Tuesday Thanks, presented by Leeds Hospitality Group. I'm your host, Brian Proctor. Join me as we sit down to chat with yet another industry leader. Our guests come from a wide range of professions across the globe. We'll take the time to learn about their journey, where it started, and where they are today. We use this opportunity to allow the guests to thank an individual or individuals that played a key role in their career understand what they learned from the experience and how they have incorporated it into their own development and growth. Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Not only can it help your mental well-being, it can also improve your physical health. So join us as we share some great stories, thank a lot of wonderful people, and of course, share some laughs. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tuesday's Thanks. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Simone Dulles, General Manager of the iconic Hotel Bristol, a luxury collection hotel, Vienna. The Hotel Bristol, an Art Deco gem, has been one of Vienna's prime addresses since it opened in 1892. With spectacular views of the city, its 174 rooms and suites serve as a living example of Viennese charm and personalized service. Simone, thanks so much for setting aside some time today to chat. I really appreciate it. It's fantastic. Wonderful. So listen, as we normally do, we like to start from the beginning and find out what drew you to the hospitality field. Uh, well, as a little girl, I wanted to be a vet, like most of the little girls. And then my parents took me on trips, and I was fascinated with the reception desk. I just thought this was so cool, and it was such a cool job. So that's actually what I wanted to explore a little bit. And when I was in school, I was 14, we were able to do a little traineeship for, for two weeks. And I went to really a small dinky hotel in, in the neighborhood. I'm from a small town in Germany. So they had me work with housekeeping and in purchasing, and I thought this was great. So that's actually how I got drawn to it. And that's then when I deciding that I wanted to do it for a living or I wanted to learn the, the profession. And that's how I then started looking for an apprenticeship when I was 19 after school. Wow, so 14, you were allowed mm-hmm. to work. And I- yeah, I mean, it wasn't paid. It was like a two week kind of to just see it and observe and help out a little bit, yes. It's interesting because last season I had a guest, Michael Zager, also a German, and he also did an internship in purchasing. And it seems like, was that a thing over there? Because, you know, you don't really see purchasing as a part of the hotels over here anyways, in North America anymore. Probably, yeah, because it was a a station in my apprenticeship also. I was there for two weeks and it was a lot about purchasing, but it was also managing the storeroom. Got it. Um, so yeah, probably, and there's only limited departments where you can actually put a 14 year old. I think. Ah. And you want to put him at the front desk and obviously with the working hours bar was probably not the place to go. Probably um, not. So I ended up in housekeeping for most of the time, but I, I did do a little bit, you know, storeroom purchasing also. So then did you go to school then for hotels in Germany no. or no? What, what did you take at school? No, it was the, the classical German apprenticeship where you go to school one day a week and then the rest you work and then you do your exam after three years. 
Oh, and so we okay. had to go through all the departments in the hotel, write reports. So I were in departments. I was at the Swiss Hotel in, in Düsseldorf, and it was a 249-room hotel. But we had 90 apprentices, 30 per year. So it's a three-year apprenticeship that you do. We had our own training manager who made sure we all kept on track had to do reports in every department that we worked at. They were, make sure, were making sure that we're doing okay, that we're going through the curriculum and we're also doing well in school. And then so, once we were done, we were basically like head hotel as a profession. So now, so that's so different from how, like I went to hotel school and there's no apprenticeships over here. You might be lucky to get a summer internship program, but so do they pay you while you're doing the apprenticeship? So you get paid yes. and you go to school? Yes. I mean, very little. I mean, I was either having a car or having a place to live in that city. Mm-hmm. So I stayed home and had a car. But yeah, it's little. And then with every year, you get a tiny little bit more money. Oh, wow. But you come out of it three years later, full. you've worked in every department. Yes. Wow. Yes, and that's how you really qualify to work in the hotel then afterwards. Then you can yeah. pick the department where you want to be and where you want to specialize in. And so that was at the Swiss Hotel. Mm-hmm. And then you graduate and you complete your internship. What was your first job, full-time job outside of the internship? I stayed at that hotel and I became receptionist still because I was fascinated with the reception. So I stuck with that and I loved it. I mean, it was a, as I said, 250 rooms, but also we had a big Congress center. So I enjoyed my time in banquets also a lot when I was there, but reception was it because I liked working with the guests. It was, was quite good because there were a lot of fairs in the city, shows in Düsseldorf. So a lot of times we, we got overbooked and you had to manage that. And I had to do my first walks. And so I really got my feet wet with that property, I have to say. And from the internship, do are you automatically put in a position as a like a junior manager or a manager no. or, do, or just as a receptionist and that's it? As a receptionist, that's it. So and how long? Full worker, basically. Ah, and how long did it take you to get your first management gig? Probably not long. Well, no, it took me a little while. I, well, I became lead agent, but it was just because I did some extra work, really. Mm-hmm. Um, then from there, I decided I wanted to go to the States. So I had to organize a visa. I did this with a nonprofit organization on a J-1 visa. And before I started at Four Seasons in Newport Beach, I went to Cornell. I did summer classes there and I got a rooms management certificate. And then I started as frontless agent at the Four Seasons and eventually I became supervisor there. Okay. So I'm always fascinated by people who pick up and leave their home and go to another country. Now you're going across the pond, so to speak, and coming to the States. What drew you to going? Why did you want to go to the States? What was the attraction with the States? Well... In my time back then, it was very well looked upon having worked in the States, in Germany, because of the customer service experience. And it's like a lot of people actually wanted to do this, wanted to go over there. When I was 17, I did a language trip over to the U.S. and I had a guest family there and I just fell in love with California. And, And they actually helped me then look for a job also. To, to go over and I, I stayed with them the first year when I when I worked there. Oh, so that's okay. Because I mm-hmm. the, the next question was going to be, how did your parents feel about a young lady just packing up her bags and going to America? 
All they were still yourself. horrified. I mean, they, they knew the guest parents, but they were still horrified. My mom asked me whether I could just not go to Munich or so, maybe stay with in Germany. That's the first you know, time moving out from home. <laughs> but I moved out from home to California. Wow, that's a big move. That's very brave to, to do that. I mean, yeah. back then, I think much more so than now. Now it's more accepted that, you know, we're a very nomadic society now. But back then, I mean, that's a big deal. I know you maybe look, you don't look at it as such, but as a father of two daughters, you know, just my daughter going to school in California was a big deal. And, you know, so I can only imagine. But so the Four Seasons Newport Beach, mm-hmm. bad first job to have in America, great property. Yeah. What year were you there? I was there in 1997. No, 95 until 98, sorry. 95 until 98. So was, who was your, was it Ray Jacoby was the general manager then? It was Ray, right? It was Ray Jacoby and then Mr. After Curry came afterwards. Yeah. So, you know, Mehdi and I, he was the director of food and beverage at the Four Seasons Los Angeles when I was the director of rooms at the Four Seasons Los Angeles. And it's amazing how small this business is. And then Ray Jacoby, I knew him from, I was at the Four Seasons in Toronto. He was at the Sheraton Center in Toronto. And my wife actually worked for him at the Sheraton in Toronto. She was in the sales department. I had to interview with him, with Mr. Jacoby. And so I I literally came over and it was very difficult for me to get a job there because I went over and and said, okay, I'm head of happy apprenticeship. I can work in any department. I need a hotel. I need a job to get the visa. Otherwise, you don't get the J1 issued. But I'm going to Cornell in between. So I have another four weeks delay. And quite a few properties said, no, you can start. I need to start next week. I'm like, well, I can't. And the Four Seasons was the only property that actually said, fine, we're doing it. You come here as long as you're open to go to whatever department. And I really have to say this was the only one and I was impressed after my week there. Yeah, no, Four Seasons is such an amazing company, especially back then when it was so small. Yeah. I remember when I was in Toronto and you know, they asked me, where do you want to go or what do you want to do next? I said, oh, I've always wanted to move to California. And so I get a call saying, okay, you're going to LA as the director of rooms. And I said, great. How do I interview? Who do I talk to? They said, this is four seasons. You don't interview. If one general manager says you're good, the other one will just take you because they just did that. So I, yeah, I love four seasons. So how long were you at Newport Beach? Three years. And my visas were up. And I you know, worked around a little bit and then got a new visa with Weston afterwards. Yeah, but my time yeah, had expired, so I stopped working there and I was actually contemplating whether I'd go back to Germany or whether I stay. And I worked at a dance studio there for a while because I've been ballroom dancing all my life. I decided then that this is definitely not the way to go for me and I was missing hotels horribly. And met somebody at Four Seasons, I'd met somebody who worked for Weston. And he actually introduced me to the West in, in uh, South Coast Plaza in Costa Mesa. So I started there as front desk manager. That's right. And you, you had a nice run there, right? You were there six years, I think, five or six yeah. years. But so- I, I have to say, and just coming back to Four Seasons and coming back to mentoring and thanking people, the first person that I met there was Julie Fry, and she was the front desk supervisor. And I was mesmerized how she was dealing with guests. And I have to say, my service basics, I learned at Four Seasons. Really? really, because they did an amazing job with training. 
they do an amazing job with the guests and that stayed with me all my life actually yeah. the, the three years that i had there and i remember coming there as a german obviously i was a little bit rough around the edges because i was <laughs> young <laughs> i was very german to stereotype meaning maybe a little bit too honest and not smiley enough so i decided that i probably need to find better wording also for the guests so I learned what she was saying, basically. And I'm like, well, she says it, and it sounds awfully nice. That must work for me. And still use some of it today, to be honest. But it was, it was really good. I mean, it was just very, very good, you know, wording at the desk. How do you deal with the guest? And that woman was absolutely fantastic. Wow. Do you know where she is now? No, I lost yeah. touch with her. But I, I still remember her name because she was the one go-to person for me in the beginning when I started. Wow, that's awesome. So now you start with Weston over at South Coast Plaza, which is a, a nice hotel as well. It's, it's right mm -hmm. over by a big mall there, South Coast Plaza yeah. Mall, obviously. And now who was, now the only reason I keep asking this is because I'm trying to remember, was Wayne Boddington the general manager there at that time or no? No, it no? was Claire. Yeah. yeah, no big deal. I, I yeah. Just... No, he was before her. He was before. I mean, okay. and, and then he came on and I worked with her for, I think, two years. And then Dan King came on. Oh, Dan King. Yeah. And Dan King was one of my mentors. He's oh, really? That is really my photo person that who, somebody who I would still call today. I mean, I haven't been in touch with him last three, four years, but he's still somebody I call and I go to because then that man is impressive. Yeah. And how long was he your general manager for? I think only about two years, two, two and a half years. Some of that I had Jan first, Jan Clark was it, Jan Clark I had first, then him, and then my call came and my call is still channel manager again. Yeah. And so when were you still on, because I married someone to get a green card to come to this country. <laughs> And we're, we're still married after 30 plus years and she puts up with me <laughs> yeah. and my daughters and my wife hate that I continue to joke about that. So, but you had run a J1 for four seasons. Did Weston slash Starwood sponsor you to get your work permit to stay or how did you finagle that? Cause that's always a challenge. I, I swapped the J1 to an H3. Okay. The I could extend. And while I was on that, I started green card. So the company helped me with the H3, but I actually got the green card through the dance studio. Through the dance studio. Because mm -hmm. I worked there on the side a little bit and they actually filed it for me. So and since for... I had done competition and stuff before I actually qualified, it was probably easier to push it through that than just through the hotel. Really? Well, so for the listener in Topeka, Kansas, who has never met Simone, Simone, and she's going to blush, I know, but, and I was going to get into this later, but it's the perfect segue now. Simone is like a world-class competitive mm -hmm. ballroom dancer. Don't say you're not, because you are. You've been in many competitions and you've done well in competitions. I'm assuming you've won some. Yeah, but yep. small ones. Small, yeah, ones. small ones. Listen, <laughs> I've got two left feet. You know, luckily I've had the opportunity to follow you on Instagram and stuff and seen the videos. Outstanding. When did that become a passion for you? Did were, did you grow up ballroom dancing or how did that? Yes, I, I, I'm dancing all my life. Like I was in a, in a girl's troupe in the German carnival when I was six. And I did this for six years, you know, in this modern marching band stuff type. 
Then I did ballet also when I was six until I was 12, but I'm a little bit too big boned and not really flexible enough. And the ballet teacher had this idea that I would have to dance a wolf in a rehearsal in a play for the parents. And I decided I didn't want to be the wolf. I wanted to be the princess. And she said, well, character role, you either do it or you leave it. And then I said, fine, I'll go. And I, at 12, I walked out of the studio and never went back and decided I'm going to do ballroom dancing. And I stuck with that all my life, actually. Yeah. For the most well, part, I never looked at it was a bit difficult. Like Scotland is not really like the ballroom dancing, you know, capital. Mm-hmm. So I was horseback riding there, but I just started, you know, a year ago here again also. So it's been on and off all my life, really. Yeah. Well, that's amazing that it was able to get you a green card. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the first things I picked up when I moved to California. I said, so how did you do it? It was brave. Yeah, but I started working and then I figured I need to find some friends and I need to do something. And I went ballroom dancing and that's how I got my circle of friends and I had a hobby. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. So now we're back at the Westin and Mm -hmm. you start off as front office manager. You get promoted up to director of rooms, I think. Director of ops. I started as front desk manager. And then after my probation, after three months, I, I got promoted to front office manager. And that's like every and a half or something. I got a small promotion until I ended up as director of ops after six years. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And then you made the big move to the Big Apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how did, yeah. How did that how did that move come about? What prompted you moving from California to New York? I uh, knew that after six years there, I had to do I had to change. The F&B operation was pretty small at the restaurant because we had an outsourced restaurant and so it was only room service and banquets really and, and the kitchen. And I knew I needed a bit more exposure also. So I had done some openings in between and obviously knew some of the Starwood folks and they said, well, we have WLA and W New York. I liked the W New York a bit better and I figured LA was never a huge fan. I, I liked Orange County, the little bubble down there quite well. I figured let's do something completely different and move to New York. And W New York obviously was the biggest of the W's with 688 rooms. They needed somebody with rooms experience, which I had. At that point, they had the lowest guest scores in the country. Also, obviously very well known for their union issues. I'd never worked in a union hotel and I thought it might be tough, but let's do it. And I did no event. That's, you know, it's so often in, you know, these big markets like New York and stuff where it's very heavy union, Mm -hmm. um, that normally they don't take a chance on someone who hasn't worked with a union. So you must have been doing something really well at the West Inn because I know when we were opening, you know, the hotels in Jersey and the hotels in New York, they always said, well, you've got to have union experience. If you don't have union experience, you can't be a manager. So was that tough for you? dealing with the unions coming from California? Well, actually, we managed to keep the union out at the West and South Coast Plaza because they tried really desperately to get in, mm-hmm. especially with our housekeeping department. It was tough in a way, but then again, as director of ops, you don't have to do all yeah. the rotors and the schedules for the departments and whatnot. So I think I was just coping with them as the second level, which was maybe... You had to be tough, but maybe it was a bit easier because it wasn't the nitty-gritty day-to-day stuff that yeah. I had to do with. And how did you like the move from California lifestyle to New York? Did you live in the city or were you out in one of the boroughs? Or... I lived in the city. Yeah. I lived in, West, in Midtown East. It was and... eight blocks from W. 
Oh, so you could walk. I could walk. I could walk, and that and it happened that on the Saturday you just want to see how things are going, and then you're working your you know sixth day and seventh day, and yeah, it was an interesting time. It was also one of the busiest times there, or or at least in those years, because we ran 93 percent occupancy throughout the year. So the hotel was sold out for five days a week. Plenty of rooms because the rooms are so small. So it was interesting. I mean, I've never dealt with so many customer complaints in one day. And so many room moves. I mean, I, I got there and we had 20, 25 room moves a day. And I said, there must be something else that we can do here. And they're like, yeah, please try. And after two weeks, I'm like, no, there's nothing else we can do here. So <laughs> <laughs> we're moving. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, yeah. New York properties are tough. And that one was very tough. So you, but you lasted two years, right? I think. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then what prompted the next big move? Because, you know, a lot of people will move in this country, you know, they'll move from one state to another. You're going cross country, California to New York. And then you say, I'm going back to Europe and you take on a whole new adventure in a world-class resort. How did that come about? Well, I wanted to leave New York because it was getting really tough. And I, I honestly, in New York, I discovered that I'm a nature girl and not a big city girl. Like the first year was utterly exciting. And then the second year I thought, okay, now, Slowly but surely, I'm seeing too many people around me. Plus, the hotel was eating away on me also, I, I have to say. It was, a, it was constant firefighting that you had to do. And Amanu King, who I worked with for a while, she was area managing director for New York, said, well, you should actually go to a hotel where you don't have to do the firefighting and you can actually enjoy your role and learn a little bit more. And I thought mm -hmm. this was actually very good advice. And I had done a horseback riding trip in Ireland before, the year before, and that I really, really liked. And I thought, well, actually, I kind of like this kind of scenery. And I saw that Turnberry opened up. And I called him up and asked whether the position is still open because it was posted and then it was gone. And I, I talked to a very nice HR lady there who I'm still you know, in contact with today. And, and she said, well, you know, you're sure you want to come? I'm like, yeah, why not? She goes, well, we have more sheep than people here. I'm like, that is fantastic. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> so yeah, I went over and I had to, which was interesting. I had to go to London first and interview with Michael Whale. And he then said to me, well, I'm not interviewing you for director of Ops at Turnberry. I'm interviewing you for GM because if you're taking this role, I want you to be GM and I need to see whether you're material for that or not. So probably one of the toughest interviews of my life with him, where the area HR was actually the nice guy. And then I moved, then I went after that, I went to Turnberry to actually see the property and I met Stuart, Stuart Selby, the general manager there, who was awesome. Also, I, I loved working with him. And then I took the role and I moved to Scotland and I absolutely loved it there. Did you? Mm -hmm. And what? And was there in fact more sheep than people? Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually moved to a village also. And I, that's where I bought my horse and I had it on property yeah. there because we had also stables in, in Turnberry. It was fantastic. Actually, it was a completely different lifestyle and lovely. Well, I was going to ask you, because I know you're, one of your other passions outside of work is horses and horseback mm -hmm. riding. Is that where it stemmed from, your move to Turnberry? Or had you been riding horses as a young girl back home? No, I actually started riding horses at 30. I, I quit Latin dancing in California for a couple of years and I started taking my first lessons really with six-year-olds. I was in a horseback riding school and, and started there. Then I started doing the riding trips and then when I moved to New York, obviously I couldn't ride so I started dancing again. Then I moved to Scotland, I couldn't dance so I bought a horse. 
and I rode there for the, the four years and the horse that I bought there is the horse that I still have here. So he's world traveled through all the different countries with me. And we were talking earlier, he's how old now? 20? 26. 26. Now, mm -hmm. I, I've had very bad experience with horses as a young child. So I have a massive fear for horses. The first time I ever rode a horse, we were down near my dad's place in Maine. And we were coming back, you know, we were all riding these horses that just rode the trails type of thing. And they probably did the same trail every day. And I don't know, the horse behind my horse bit my horse's butt. My horse starts taking off like a bat out of hell. And I guess they're just trained to like walk back to the barn or whatever. Yes. And so this horse is running towards the barn. I'm screaming, crying, tears running down my cheeks. And I now luckily I'm only probably like eight years old, but I know I was smart enough to notice that the top door of the barn was closed. So if the horse went under, the horse would make it, but there was no way I was going to make it. So I'm screaming, I'm crying. So I go to jump off the horse while it's running, because by now the stallion has come out of the coral or whatever you call it, corral, and is chasing my horse. And oh, no. so now all hell's breaking loose. So I go to jump off and my left foot got stuck in the stirrups and I'm being dragged by the horse. And then I finally get my foot finally caused loose. And I swear, I, I rolled like one body length and the stallion rode right past me. <laughs> so that was my yeah. first, <laughs> that was my first adventure with a horse. And it took me years to get over that. And the next time I went horseback riding, I was probably 14 with Patrick Baton's birthday party. And again, horse behind my horse. I don't know why I bit my horse's butt. My horse bucked up and I fell off and I walked all the way back to the barn. Never got on a horse since. Never. Probably better not. <laughs> no, I don't know what it is. But anyways, I digress. I'm sorry. This is this show's about you. So you're in Turnberry for about four years, knowing that they had hired you not to be the director of ops, but they knew they said, all right, we want this young lady to be a general manager somewhere. Where did you get your big break to get that first GM title? Because that was after Turnberry, right? That was after Turnberry. I went to Bratislava, Slovakia, to the Sheraton. And the Sheraton was just newly opened. It was nine months old. But General Manager had left after two months after opening. So I had a crew then that was without GM for a few months and had a few little general managers that I had to then take over. Yeah. And so what was that like? How much help did you get? I mean, as your first time GM, like, did you have a really close regional and, and what kind of hotel is the shirt in Bratislava? I don't, I personally don't even know where Bratislava is. And I feel stupid saying that, but I should know where it is, but I don't. So what kind of hotel was it? It's an hour east of Vienna. So it's really close to the border. Oh, okay. All right. So Slovakia is a small country. So pretty much everything that happens is, happens in Bratislava. It's a beautiful country. The Sheraton was actually the flagship Sheraton for Europe because it was done above standard. It was just a new build. It was, Ballymore was the owner at that time, English construction company. They built a whole complex. It had a shopping center. It had apartments, offices, and the hotel. And it was, they called it actually the, the new center of, of Bratislava, right by the Danube. So a beautiful hotel. And it was great. I did have support, but my boss was Thomas Wilms at that time. He was the area vice president. 
I had 70 hotels. I did not want to call them every other day saying, I have a problem here and how do I do this? So basically on my first day, I just sat at my desk and thought, great, I'm KM, what do I do now? And then I have to say, I had a fantastic controller who really helped me out with all the reports and, and with the ownership relations that they had, that he had worked with quite closely with the asset managers and yeah, he helped me a lot. And then I just found my way through. I, I looked at one department after another and I tried to stay from rooms maybe a little bit more because I'd done this before so mm-hmm. much. Um, I, I tried to get a look in the other departments first because rooms was easy then. Yeah. So that's your first GM's role, mm-hmm. right? And you were there for about three years, probably. Yep. yep. And then your career progression continues. And, we're, and, and you got up and moved to Budapest. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. I, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but I'm a fanboy of you because you've got the career. I know you're laughing at me, but, and the, the the listener in Topeka can't see you laughing at me, but <laughs> you've got the career, you know, and now you're at Bristol, but we'll get to Budapest in a second. You've got the career that I always wanted, but I probably wasn't good enough to do this. I mean, here you go from, you know, you start off in Germany you get to California, you go to New York, you go to Bratislava, you go to Scotland, you go to Slovakia, you go to Budapest, and now you're in Vienna. I mean, world-class hotels in world-class destinations. That's why you get in the hotel business, right? To see the world and, and you've done it. So I'm so jealous. And I knew when I wanted to have some strong female leader GMs on here, you were my first choice. And I said, I've got to reach out to you. So thank you for doing this. But again, I digress. So let's go to Budapest now. What prompted the move from Bratislava to the Le Meridian in Budapest? I was asked would I be interested in taking it by by area. And I like Budapest. I've obviously been there before because it's a nice little triangle. You know, you have Prague in Budapest and you have Bratislava in between. So you can actually do four countries in one day if you want to. It's quite cool. I liked the city a lot and the Sheraton was about to be sold. So I figured this may be a good time to go anyhow and experience something new. And it was the Meridian at that time with an Arab owner. So I thought, okay, I'll give this a try. Completely new experience with the ownership then also. It's completely different style. And I, yeah, I, I took it. And, and it was wonderful. And I had a wonderful relationship and he still, he bought the Imperial in Vienna and he still comes visit me when he's at his hotel. Oh, fantastic. So it it does make me think about something else. So how does it work language wise? Because you, what, how, number one, how many languages do you speak? Not so many. I I mean, English, German, I speak a little bit of French, um, not perfectly, but I can kind of figure my way around. I can do half a serious presentation in French, and then I stop torturing the poor French people. <laughs> I learned quite a bit of Slovak when I was there. I, I took lessons, and I, I lived in a village. As I said, I like living in, in the Pampa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to, just to, to get about. And I could pretty much understand everything, but I wasn't fluent, but I could find my way about, which was great, because then you understand Czech also, and one or the other word, Polish, and Russian, and you know it, it helps quite a bit. In Budapest, I started, but I was there for only one year. So I I quit after six months when I knew we were giving up the hotel. Yeah. Because I've always wondered about that when you're doing that international thing like you do, and you go to all these different countries and you've got different languages and, you know, to communicate and, you know, how do you motivate the teams? How do you communicate with the teams? 
and all of that in all of these different languages, it's got to be a challenge. Yeah, but the management team speaks English. And I, I think you've got to start learning the language just to show some respect to people. So I think this is just what you do personally. Yeah. It's disrespectful not to try to learn a language when you move to a country. So I've always done that and I've always known a little bit. And if you really try, and, and I mean, I didn't listen to it every day. I, I listened to it on the way to the hotel, maybe a little bit from the podcast or whatnot, or from the language discs, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't study super hard, but you pick it up when you live in a country also. And the moment you get a little bit of just of it and you start trying to talk to them and associates really, really appreciate it and people in yeah. general. Yeah, that was always one. I mean, I I used to be fluently bilingual with French growing up Mm -hmm. in Montreal, obviously. But one of my biggest misgivings was when I moved down here, I just, for whatever reason, I have a difficulty picking up Spanish. And -hmm. obviously in the States, you know, you need Spanish in our business. And I was never able to get that. I don't know why. I mean, everybody said, well, if you can speak French, you can speak Spanish. And I said, well, I speak French, but I can't speak Spanish for whatever reason. (laughs) So... That hotel gets sold, and then you get the Hotel Bristol, the luxury collection. It wasn't getting sold. It was the, the management contract with Starwood oh. ended, and uh, they gave it to Marriott, and it was before Marriott took over Starwood. Got so Ritz Carlton came in, and they wanted to bring their own management team, so we all had to go. So for me, it was between Prague and Vienna, and I ended up going to Vienna. That's a tough choice, Prague and Vienna. It was a tough choice because I, I really loved the, the Augustine and, and Prague also. But then at the end, I think it was owners because I really got on well with the owner here. Mm-hmm. And obviously very prestigious hotel. And I figured, okay. But I, I have to say, after being abroad for so long, like this was almost too German for me in the beginning. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. And I have, trouble, I have trouble writing letters in German because all my career has been in English, English-speaking countries. But I really used my PA a lot in the beginning. I can't really say that. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, Hotel Bristol is just such a classic, right? It's an icon mm-hmm. in that city. Yeah. And you've, you've been there since 15, right? I think. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And I, I want to stay a little bit longer because we have a renovation scheduled actually should have happened in 21. Now it was moved to 25. And I quite like to do this still because it's, it's such a beautiful hotel. I have a wonderful team here. I love the hotel. I have a bit of a private life here too now, which is nice. So I, I like to stay a few more years, but then move on to another country. We'll see. Well, I mean, other than your fascination with another Canadian named Brian, Mr. (laughs) Adams. Yeah. You know, for those, again, for the listener in Topeka, Kansas, you've got to follow Simone because you have, I love the passion for dancing is obviously great. Mm -hmm. The passion for your horse is wonderful but you have a true passion for music in general. And I think you see more concerts per year than I've seen in my entire life, for God's sake. And you've, and I guess I'm assuming a lot of these guys are all staying at your hotel and that's how you get the connection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some of them do. But yeah, there was a couple of years there where every five minutes I thought I was seeing you with Brian Adams somewhere. So yeah. Um, <laughs> But, I, did, uh, I did a few concerts, yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so again, I digress. So yeah, I mean, getting to that property, I mean, what a great property to be general manager at for many years and really establish yourself and establish, you know, the hotel in your kind of vision of what a luxury hotel is. It's got to be rewarding. 
It is. I love it. Cool. Well, listen, you know, it is Tuesday, as we say. And so this is, I guess, a good time to kind of segue into that part of the show where I'm just going to turn the mic over to you. And I know you've already thanked the young lady from Newport Beach, but now I'll give you the mic and you can thank one, 10, 500, however many people. You can thank your horse, who whatever works for you. <laughs> for listening uh, to me right when I was renting on, riding him. <laughs> exactly. He's out eating his hay in the barn and got his earbuds in. But I'm going to turn the mic over to you and let you thank some people and then we'll go from there. Probably a couple more. Like one of them was Bodo Lemke who unfortunately passed a few years ago, but he was general manager at the West End in LIX. And I got to know him when I was working at the West End. And he was general manager for a long time. And, you know, he started going through the PL with me, through numbers, was always telling me about owner relations. And I think I learned a lot about owner relations just listening to him, like how he was handling them here, Japanese owners at that time. So that was really, really good. And he was just a good listener and giving advice. And I stayed in, in, in touch with him until shortly before he passed. Then, as I said already, Dan King, who's absolutely wonderful. I've never asked a man a, a question that he couldn't answer. And it doesn't matter whether it's hotel or anything else. I think he's an absolutely fantastic leader and, and very impressive. Yeah. And I have to say, Stuart Selby did a lot for me in, in Turnway because he kind of showed me what a good relationship with your team is. I had it before, but like he was a very, very calm person. He was almost underreacting and that's how he was leading his team also. And I think I tried to adapt it from him a little bit. I was a bit more temperamental before, but I thought, okay, I realized sometimes shutting up does better than, you know, speaking up too early. Mm -hmm. um, so especially in situations when, when shit hits the fan, it's, good. I, I found out later in life that it's, it's good to just be calmer and yep. just wait a second, take a deep breath. And I was always very impressed by Roland Voss. I mean, he wasn't really one of my, my mentors, but he was the president of Europe. And I was always utterly impressed how he managed to get all the general managers on his side, how he connected with them. He never missed anybody at the meetings. He was always the last one in the bar with everybody, appreciated everybody. When he came into meetings, I went to training class once and he came in as the speaker for the last day and he knew something about everybody in the classroom. And I'm like, okay, you studied this before you came in here. Wow. And he had something nice to say to everybody. And I thought he was a true leader, you know, and he was one of the guys where he could maybe point at a white wall and say it's blue. And I would venture to say that 99% of the GMs would say, yeah, it's blue, you're right. Wow. Yeah, I worked on one thing with him, but never very closely. But I'd always heard really good things about Roland. I mean, we really liked him. And I, I always found his very impressive because everybody had something nice to say about him. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's a great list. That's fantastic. Well, listen, first off, I want to thank you for, for doing the show. It's always great connecting. I think the last time we saw each other was for lunch in London before yes. the pandemic, right? Right. Which was great. And uh, hopefully we won't take the next three or four years to see each other again. No. But uh, I'll look forward to your dance updates and your concert updates to see who you're schmoozing with. But uh, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. You. You've, you've had just an amazing career. You're so young and you're at a point where there's still so much 
ceiling to go through. So continued success to you over there. And I'm sure you'll be in Asia next or some far flung location. As long as you can take your horse, I know. So you got to be able to take the horse. But congratulations on such a super run. And, and as I always end the show, if it's Tuesday, then let's make sure everybody's going out and giving some thanks that they're going to appreciate it. And it's going to make you feel real good when you give some thanks to somebody. So Simone, thank you and have a great rest of the day. Thanks for having me. All the best. you enjoyed the show today and thanks so much for tuning in we really appreciate it if you would like to be a guest on the show so that you can thank someone for their role in your career please reach out to me via our tuesday thanks website at www.tuesdaysthanks.com remember a sincere thank you goes a long way to making someone feel appreciated and can make their day so until next time be well Be safe, and please don't be afraid to tell someone thanks. Chat soon.